0: Stuff said, a cartoonist's unique and distinct conversations with people in comics, cartooning, and beyond.
1: So I rejected my own ink exam. Comics was booming! It was all hands on deck. You were going to be a cop. I was going to be a
2: cop. I would have been a damn good cop.
1: It's almost like if you watched The Little Mermaid and then you had to interview Ariel. Right. The storyboarding so complex. There's, there's always room for exploration and, and growth. Everybody started a webcomic. In two thousand, I wasn't as good as I thought I was. Oh yeah, I like to be on the side of righteousness. I, I just dwell on these things, and sure. the only healthy way to unleash that is if I turn it into something positive, like a comic. I'm just
0: the guy sitting there pissing on the on the fence, seeing if he's going to get this pecker. Stuff, <laughs> zap.
3: Said, stuff, said. stuff said, a unique podcast available at stuffsaidshow.com and iTunes. You're listening to Ink Studs, and this is a, uh, I feel like it's
1: part of our Ink Studs on the Road series, but Brandon and I aren't on the road anymore, we're in Brandon's living room.
2: We're on the road in my living room.
1: We're on the road. You are, wearing, road. You are wearing boots right now, so maybe that's something roady. Does that count? Can I take my shoes off? Please do. That's our uh, guest, Farrell um, Delrymple, who's sitting here drawing in a copy of his new book, The Wrenchies, from First Second Books. I feel like I'm sounding way too official, I'm sorry. I feel like, am I doing like an NPR thing? Apology accepted. Yeah, you are. No, I'm just kidding. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Sound good. Sound strong. Um, Yeah, Farrell's new book is The Wrenchies, as you mentioned, from First Second, as well as It Will All Hurt from... um, Study Group. The Study Group, uh, Industries, Enterprises... And, um, what's the blue one called again? Delusional Delusional By Ad House Books, Chris By. Pitzer's fine company Jeez, pick a publisher, dude I <laughs> no, really and Restless Meat House, which you were in with, uh, our host, Brandon Oh, yeah We, we go way back We go, go way back, back Like, uh, Robert Zemeckis To
2: the
0: urban box office days
1: Robert Zemeckis He
2: directed Back to the Future Jesus. Oh yeah, that's right. That's good. Oh, I hope you that's feel sick with yourself. I'm
1: um, fine. Um, thank you, Farrell, for uh, joining us. Um, I'm trying to be careful not to be all buddy buddy with this one because we're. Thank we're you buddy for buddy having buddy. me, sir. <laughs> nice I, think, I think I think we can be
2: incredibly casual Friday, but <laughs> I was thinking about we were talking about something recently, and you're talking about how. Um, it was, Oh, we were talking about the Jodorowsky Dune documentary and how it wasn't so much a documentary as just, like... Um, it's a
1: hagiography. A what
2: geography? It's a it, jerk-off film.
1: Yeah, it's a hagiography. <laughs> it's basically... Uh, it talks about how great he is with no critical insight. Yeah. Because he's not great.
0: Uh, well, I, I yeah, I kind of felt a similar thing when I... Um, not that he wasn't great. I mean, he might be great. I enjoyed some of his work. But, yeah, that documentary was weird because it was, like hey, this thing would have been really cool if we had done it, you know, had it made. It's like,
3: well, yeah, but I don't
0: know.
2: There's it lots of stuff. Good. <laughs> well, well it was neat yeah. seeing those drawings. I think it is. probably would have had its moments. But, I mean, my, my criticism I like to always say is that Mobius' work on Masters of the Universe looked a little more impassioned than his work on, on Dune. And, and they and they really shat on the Lynch Dune, which I'm personally really... Yeah, I, really I like know. the Lynch Dune,
0: and also, yeah. too, he did, did he say in the documentary that he never even read the book? Yeah. Did he never read Dune. Well, fuck that Or not think you finished it. <laughs> like, like, give me a break. It's like, like God, why would you...
2: long. Well, yeah. my, my point for bringing that up is that, um, is that I think me and Robin are just very impressed by Renchi, so it's going to be a very, you know, like, like, I keep telling people, like, obviously I'm very biased because me and you have been friends for a very long time, and I always like your work, but I went into Renchi's being like, oh, awesome, a whole Feral book, and I was so impressed by the end of it. Oh, thank you. You know, just cool. going through it, it was just like, it was a big deal.
0: That's what I was doing it for.
2: Yeah, and all in know. This is. I was talking earlier today. Is today. This is a really impressive time for comics right now. I agree. I feel like a lot of really fantastic books are coming out. Mm-hmm. And, and Wrenchies for me is one of the biggest, if not one of my, if not my favorite of the of the recent bunch.
0: Oh, thank you. I feel like that with this this book, uh, the Wrenchies. It it uh, like what you're saying. There's so many good books coming out right now that I mm-hmm. feel like that has only helped people like. I guess, be, like, accepting of it or something. Like, I feel like if I did, had that book come out when I started on it, like, if I had done it, like, six years ago or something, that, uh, yeah, I don't know if people would have been as ready for something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's recent. Really cool. <laughs> There's so much stuff in there that, you know, you probably see in other places that people are, like, familiar enough with graphic novels and comics and all the science fiction fantasy stuff that I put in there that... uh makes it a little more palatable or digestible or something. <laughs>
2: yeah, I feel like as, as comic book readers are hopefully kind of getting past a lot of, like, like I'm always really amazed when I meet people that are still just like, this guy won't read this book because it's a manga. And I'm always like, is it 1987? Uh-huh, and yeah. I feel like there's a lot of big ideas <laughs> with comics now where, like, nobody, you don't have to convince someone that a comic is quality because it's not color or not superhero or anything now. And so, and so I think that, that fits nicely into the stuff.
0: Yeah, I, agree. I yeah, it's weird because like I, I feel, too, that, like, I don't know, people have, I don't know, people read things or watch things or listen to things for all their own, own reasons and, no I know why I like comic books and things like that, but um, it's, uh, I think, too, it, it's sort of like me, I don't know, kind of getting that under the radar, like, I'm kind of trying to say some stuff with it, I guess, you know, personal things, but okay. kind of disguising it or dressing it up with all these, like different tropes and genres and things like that that people are like, oh, this would make, this was probably going to be, like, for a movie or something, you know? But it's like, no, it's not at all. Like, it could be unfilmable, <laughs> I think. <but laughs> oh, right. <laughs> it's like, I just wanted to make a cool comic book with all this, like, yeah, weird stuff that I liked.
2: Yeah, I think we were, we did a panel together in New York, and I was talking on it about how it feels like, at least in, in the, the, one of the ways that I really related to the work in it is it feels like you're dealing with all these tools that, of, of growing up reading things like, um, uh, you know, children's fantasy books and uh, mm. and science fiction, and, and like reading science fiction comics and superhero comics and all this stuff, and taking those tools and trying to, like, that's the language that you're speaking, and then you're trying to make something
0: personal with those tools. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I don't want it just to be like, a, or I didn't want it to be just like, a, yeah, like a love letter to these things. Like, it was, uh, yeah, like the story was the thing. <laughs> yeah. Even though it might not seem like that to people. I guess, too, it was like, it was like, not frustrating but it's um like I understand it but it seems like with most of my work in the past or whatever that people uh might like the artwork I mean I'm sure a lot of people don't like the artwork I've had people tell me they don't but uh yeah <laughs> um it's yeah, there I feel like for like the longest time is this thing is like oh we need to get you with a writer like a good writer like you know and like I sort of appreciate, I mean, not that I think of them as separate things, like, right. I think of cartooning is, like, this one thing, you know, like, the writing and the art are just, like, a thing Is that together.
1: something coming from working at places like DC and Vertigo, where they compartmentalize like that? I
0: think so, or, like, it seems like most of the people that I've interacted with, maybe up until, like, a few years ago, even, were, um, I mean, even now, it seems like most of the people I interact with, yeah, are somehow tied into that industry, or mm-hmm. that. Type of comic making, um, so it's like yeah, it's like what I was saying to like people do comics or are into comics for all different sorts of reasons, and I think a lot of times people assume that everyone else thinks like they do, like like oh well, I like these kind of comics, so like that's the only thing that exists or that's the only, you know type of thing that I'm you know, I know about, so that yeah, um, right, so yeah, that, that's just kind of like I think that was probably what it was is that I was maybe interacting with people that didn't want me to, you know, they wanted to, my art to go with this formulaic story or something, yeah. you know, and it's like, that's not the kind of stuff I like, you know? <laughs> like, I like some of that stuff, like, visually or, you know, there's, like, a fun aspect to it, but, like, you know, I'm much more, like, influenced, I think, by stuff that's a little more, like, counterculture, or like, right. a little under the radar. Yeah. Well,
1: one of the things about ranchies that I really appreciate is it's not... Done as a standard formulaic plot structure, I find. Um,
2: yeah. yeah, it almost reads kind of it's it's kind of messy. It feels more like real life in a lot of ways. Characters come in it and they leave without having an arc. they don't. I really I think I really appreciate that. We did an interview with uh, Nick Potozzi and we were talking about your work and and I was like, he was talking about like who the great who the best cartoonist in America was. And I was like, I feel like sometimes people doing things almost feel more like mistakes make the work more interesting. I definitely agree with that. And it's it's. I thinking about Renchies in relation to that, and about how like, I uh, was that was that purposeful going into things. Like like part of it feels really structured, and other parts of it just feel like like um, like elements of a real life that you wouldn't be able to control.
0: Um, well, yeah, I mean, it was as as much as I can do. Like it was very structured to me. You know, like I, you know, I laid everything out, and like everything in there is like Or most of the, I guess most of the stuff in there was intentional. <laughs> I tried to, like, I was trying to do something with each page, like, either, you know, evoke some kind of emotion or, you know, relay some kind of information in a specific way. Right. Uh, but, I mean, I totally understand why people, someone else would look at that and be like, oh, this is, this doesn't make any sense to me or this is, you know, this guy was just being confusing to be, you know, weird or something. Yeah. Um, but I think that what you said kind of hit the nail on the head is, like, I like, is even though, like, I'm dealing with fantasy, I like I like there to be this thing in there that feels like real life mm-hmm. or like even like something that's like relatable to like, you know, it's like, Oh, I know what, like a, I know that, that thing in the dream that everyone feels, or I know that, you know, right. I've had that experience before, you know, I might not have been around a kid wearing a cape and magical bugs flying in people's ears and stuff, but like, I know, you know, like what's going on there. Like it's something I, I relate to, um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, and, you know, it's like, I, you know, read other stories, you know, like these comics or whatever, and it, it, part of the thing that kind of bugs me about those, you know, not, I mean, not everyone does this, obviously, but, like, sometimes I'll read a, a story and, it, it, yeah, just these same specific characters will be in the story, no. you know, and it's just like, there, there must be, like, a bigger world to these people. They're just, I guess, just, like, what the writer, the author's choosing to show people. So it's like, I like to, to show, to have other things in there that don't necessarily relate directly to what's going on, but that it gives it like, uh, flushes things out more. Right, it kind of gives like a hint of well. something that's bigger than, yeah, what's actually, you know, the, the, the main thing that's happening.
2: Um, something, something else that really clicked with me in this book, which is something that I think exists through all of your work is there's a kind of, um, I think, I think it relates, I think a lot about artists like Bombardier or Mobius or whatever, who people, you know, they're dead, but their work almost conveys this personality you get to know of them afterwards. And it's funny, mm-hmm. reading this to me and knowing you, the interior monologue of the characters feels so personal and feels so much like you. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's <laughs> like the things where the character, like, I'm looking at this scene here where the character's like, um, where he, he, it's just like a standard comic book scene where like, new character's introduced and then it cuts to the next scene of the character going to the, the other character going to the room. Mm-hmm. And you have a couple panels in between that where he's thinking like, oh, man, I should have said hi to him. I, I, I'm a <laughs> jerk. And it, it, it really rings
0: true in a way that I don't see in a lot of fiction. Yeah, you because yeah, you know my, like, neurosis or right. anxieties that I have personally. So that, yeah, that was actually something I thought about, too, is, um, like, you know, having my friends read it. and It's just like, oh, yeah, they're going to know. <laughs> they're going to probably recognize this and hopefully yeah, will appreciate the story more because of that. You know, like, maybe yeah. some people wouldn't... Um, Like, I've mentioned this a couple times, but, like, the character Hollis in the story, um, in the Wrenchies, is, like, my favorite character, and, like, he uh, was really personal to me, and he, um, like, he was the easiest to write. Like, his chapter was, I guess, the funnest for me, and the easiest, and, uh, like, uh, I I read, like, one negative review of the Wrenchies, and, uh, I don't know, the guy, like, he really harped on Hollis as being, like, this irritating, annoying character just, yeah. that he hated, you know? He's, like, yes. this, this loser kid, you know, wears a superhero outfit, and, like, it's, like, he's kind of, like, the bully, sort of, in the, in the book. It was, like, an interview by a bully. Yeah, and so it's, like, well, of course he wouldn't like it. like, why would he like it, you know? It's, like, I love that guy, like, I wouldn't, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's just funny, you know, I guess, like, yeah, people that know me or whatever might get this other kind of, like, you know level out of it or you know like I was saying before too about like relatability is like hopefully there's like a type of person out there that will see a lot of the things in there and be like hey I know I know this you know this is like me or something yeah and
2: I think that's a huge mistake if I wouldn't if anyone ever thinks that that their work should be universal, or that everyone should like it. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to the point where people will come up to me in conventions and be like, "Tell me why this, is, why, why I should buy this book?" And it'll yeah, be like, "Sell me on this." Yeah, and you're <laughs> just like, "Maybe you won't like it." Yeah, it's, like uh, it's very sleep, possible that yeah. you will not like this. I'll sleep just fine either <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, so the idea—it's interesting because Hollis feels very autobiographical, but Sherwood feels like more of like a classic archetype of mm. the Zoom type, Robin. Of a of a of a kind of hero character, yeah. And so, and it's interesting. And then you've got Sherwood also. I guess I don't even know this question. I'm just thinking about how different elements of the characters are different aspects of you. Because Sherwood's drawing comics in it, mm-hmm. and and I like the commentary on it too, which still manages to not kind of break the fourth wall at all. Well, he's drawing a comic book to to reel in all these characters to basically convey a message about his worries about what's going to happen to him in the future. Mm-hmm. And and his friend is like like this doesn't seem like a very good way to get your message out.
0: Yeah. Seems like (laughs) a lot of work and (laughs) Yeah, well that's like the whole I mean, we've talked about this before, but like the whole thing about doing comics is like this like obsession or addiction rather than necessarily like this practical thing, you know, like, Oh, I'm gonna get rich doing this or this is a career path that I've chosen, it's just sort of like it chooses you, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like, that's, that was like one of the elements with him. There was a bunch of, a bunch of things with that character where, I mean, even like the fact that his was the last chapter in the book and like while I was going through, you know, a lot of personal stuff, trying to finish up this like crazy project over like, you know, I don't know, the last few months anyway, like I felt like my life was imitating my art. It was like getting kind of dark. <laughs> right. So I was putting a lot of like my own like worries about, you know, finishing this thing in there. Um, and it just kind of lends itself to that, I guess, because I had made him a cartoonist. Like, early on, I wanted, you know, when I wrote out the plot, like, that was the way it was going to, you know, uh, be laid out. And also, to like, the whole, like, I guess, like, wizard aspect. Yeah. Like, he's this, like, um, like boy hero character. And uh, so, like, part of that was, like, the whole, like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I am get to create worlds with comics. But more than that was the, uh, I guess, this idea of, like... I don't know how, like, you were raised, but it seems like a lot of guys our age or people our age, girls and guys, uh, kind of had this thing of, like, you know, oh, you can do anything you want. You can be a rock, rock star, or, you know, like that Fight Club yeah. thing, of like, yeah. you know, like, oh, yeah, you're, you know, everyone's a celebrity or something, you know, so it's like I liked taking that idea of, like, oh, this kid actually is that thing, you know, he's, like, a demon slayer with his brother, and then, like, yeah. becomes, like, a superhero, and this space adventurer, and all this stuff, and then now he's, like, a middle-aged guy, he's, like, kind of like this asshole, you know?
2: Yeah, like he doesn't know how to, it's like he doesn't know how to deal with his life past that.
0: Yeah, and so it's, like, you know, his younger self seeing him, and, like, and like oh, I don't like that guy, like, how do I not be that person? Right. <laughs> but it's, like, you kind of can't help, can't help
1: it, you know? Now you've worked on this book for what six years was
0: it? Uh, five years of actual like starting you know page one and then you know handing in the last page is about five years worth of work. But yeah, there was some before and after stuff. And you know, I still still working on it. I feel like yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know you know like planning tours and trying to like promote things and
2: right. Well, it's is is very tied into it story wise.
0: Yeah, it's it definitely the same world exists in the same world. I don't know if there's an actual character that crosses over between the two. I um, actually kind of thought about adding a couple things in the last chapter just to sort of like really hammer it home. But Little um, nods? Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, Interesting, doesn't... Um, I had a question I was building. Oh, no, sorry, Brandon. sorry. Thank okay, you. We'll go back to that. It will hurt. <laughs> Sorry, Zach. Uh, <laughs> I'm just wondering about because, like, Hollis, you've done in other things. Sure. Uh, and I'm wondering about like, were you kind of building to this book?
0: Me. Um, not necessarily, like not with Hollis specifically. Like I, um,
1: but just I, general as like a creator.
0: Yeah, it, it was something like I have a bunch of ideas that I want to do. You know, like mm-hmm. that you know they're stewing on, and I have like little crazy little obsessive folders where I put notes for different future things that I want to do. Um, so Hollis was uh, something that I did for Chris Pitzer for the Project Superior mm-hmm. for a couple different stories that I just felt like doing. Just cause I, Actually, Tom Herpick named him Hollis, too. That was, I don't know if you remember that, but we were in Filthy Rich's apartment, and I had a drawing of him, and I'm like, what should I name this guy? And he was like, I name him Hollis. I'm like, it's a name in a book I'm reading. I don't know what book it was. <laughs> but, um, so, like, I I had him, like, kind of around, and uh, the, the thing that I did that kind of sparked it was the story in the back, the Galactica story that we did for uh, Meat House SOS, mm-hmm. and um, like reading, like making that, and then reading Tom Herbig's story in that book, like I kind of you know I don't know if you remember his story. In there. Yeah, Tom like,
2: did a really bizarre story and about characters like kind of missing limbs going through mm-hmm. these cubes.
0: Yeah, but they were in like a it was kind of like a post-apocalyptic world, and then you would go into kind of a, like a more like fantasy world. Um, like a virtual reality kind of thing, right? But uh, just like the visual style of that story, like I liked how deep it felt and how um, like uh, emotional it felt. But there wasn't really any dialogue or words to it. So um, I think like reading that and reading and doing my story kind of made me want to do something like that, like what became the wrenches eventually. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I I was approached by. Um, an agent when I moved to Portland to do uh, to do a pitch, I guess. And so I, I took those things and I'm like, oh, there's this idea I've been kind of, you know, thinking about. It. And uh, yeah, I just did some drawings and made made a plot up and stuff like that. And so, I mean, it was kind of building for a little while, maybe like a year or two, because I don't yeah. know how long SOS, when that came out. Um, yeah, I don't know if you can see it there in that story. You just yeah, had, yeah. had your hand on that. But, SOS
2: um, came out in that's a very good question.
1: 2007, 2008? Okay, so yeah, that was right yeah. around
0: when, I like maybe like a year after I moved to Portland and then yeah. when it came out. So yeah, it was like kind of stewing around for a while, but not necessarily like, oh, I want this to be a story about Hollis, because he was he was a character in it from the get-go, like I, I but he he had, he definitely took on a bigger role mm-hmm. as I was working on it. It was just something that just kind of happened naturally as I was working on it. Right.
2: Oh, and your story in Meat House SOS is also printed in the back of Brunchies.
0: Yep. Yeah, that was actually part of the pitch, was, like, I took that to first, second, and about, like, 15 other pages of the drawings I did, and, like, yeah, like, a plot. I didn't have it thumbnailed or anything, but that was just basically what I gave to them, like, hey, can I do a book with you guys? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and having, like, an agent, I guess, helped, too, you know, because I guess, I don't know, I've heard, I'm not exactly sure, but i heard that they won't, like, look at projects That's or proposals, good. yeah, unless
1: yeah. you have, like, some kind of, like yeah they did an epic blog post about
2: that (laughs) all right well it's interesting too because i i always feel like agents are aren't a thing that i ever
0: have considered yeah i never did either it was weird it was um i don't know you know shannon stewart no but uh he was a a friend of mine or is a friend of mine um we're not talking anymore no uh uh, (laughs) yeah he moved um but he uh he was a really big uh Help with that, like he introduced me to Bernadette, and he um, he seemed really encouraging to try to move me in that direction.
2: Right, yeah. now that seems like a sane, it seems like an adult thing to do, because like you know, both, like Craig Thompson having an agent, mm-hmm. like totally makes sense. But I almost like, man, that's such a grown up cartoonist thing to do. Yeah, and it's weird.
0: I mean, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. You know, like I don't. Yeah, I don't know how much I want to get into on this, but (laughs) I mean, I love Bernadette and I just kind of like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I have like like weird issues. I guess so. I don't know. It's like, I don't know if, like I, I'd actually like years back, um, I think it was at SPX. I actually had someone from first second approach me,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: I think, I'm pretty sure. And they were like, Hey, we would like to do something with you. So it was, kind of, it was like I was like, oh, okay, cool, well, you know, I'm working on some stuff, but I'll get in touch with you. So I think, like, the agent thing was more of just uh, someone, like, staying on my ass and being like, okay, right. we need to make this happen, like, let's go, let's, you know, we need to go to be, New yeah. York and go to these publishers and do this. And I'm like, I would never have met with anybody. Right. Like, I would have just been in, like, my apartment probably, like, watching television, <laughs> like, making my own weird little, you know, sketchbook drawings and stuff still. So, um, so like I, without my agent I don't know wrenches would exist you know so yeah like, and I think about it a lot about
2: how um, th- there's this kind of weird idea people have of like oh just do good work and, and you'll be successful and I yeah, find that that's comical because it's like no you, if you're spending all your time on the work then you don't have it seems like if you're doing shitty work you have so much more time to, yeah. to be successful
0: yeah it's like, well and two, it's like weird it's like well, what is success I mean everyone has different ideas like of oh, what yeah, success too. is but like I mean you look at a guy like Henry Darger and like that guy didn't give a fuck about any, like, um, anyone seeing his work. (laughs) Or maybe he did, but he was just, like, too crazy to be able to deal with it. So, you know, that's a a great example of someone that just sat quietly and made this, like, huge tome, you know, that, uh, you know, when he died, not, you know, anyone ever, like, saying, like, hey, good job. But
2: comics (laughs) is great. There's almost, there's an
0: implied audience with comics to make it. Like, like, yeah, otherwise I would just use a, uh, a pseudonym or something, you know. Like yeah. I like I like people reading my work. Like I like knowing that people enjoy it or, or are interested in it or provoke some thought or something. You know, right. like I, I I need that. Like I need that kind of like feedback. I mean, I wish I didn't. Like I wish I could just make art and like do it anonymously. But it's like actually like I guess like the approval.
3: What
0: would be the appeal of doing it anonymously? I guess just the 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 appeal of making art, and maybe there's some kind of weird pride too in that of, oh, no one knows it, it's me, you know. Right. So but, I'm a good person, you know. <laughs> but I like the idea of building I'm an like, like
2: I feel like the thing about having a name, it builds trust in readers. Where someone like, you know, because I had that. I mean, aside from knowing you, just knowing your work and picking up wrenchies, I was already like, oh, this is going to be good, and so my expectations were at a certain level where. Where certain things, it's like you go into them kind of like, you know, like you're getting into a bathtub, you don't know the temperature of it yet, and you're just like, I don't know how this is working out yet, and it's just like, you know, the year 3000, you're just like, really?
0: <laughs> 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 I, that seems pretty far in the future, guys. I actually had. I think that there, when I uh, first started in the Wrenchies, like in the pitch and stuff, I actually had, I actually had that. I didn't start off the book, like in the year 3000, but I think like I actually had like a timeline where like, okay, this many thousands of years, and then at okay. some point I'm like, Who cares? It's like a fantasy world. It could be like 10 years from now or it could be like But I imagine you have to know years. all that stuff a little bit yourself, too. Yeah, just a general idea, you know. Like we were watching uh, the movie Manborg
2: last night. <laughs> yes, we were. And uh, <laughs> there's a time jump in that that I didn't realize was
0: a time jump. Yeah, they didn't make it very clear. Yeah, and he's then, just busting out of like a metal box. At some
1: yeah, Mangor like, <laughs> was not
0: consistently
1: good. <laughs> I, mean, it was a, I, I really enjoyed surprisingly. it surprisingly. But
2: no, it was just that I, I was thinking there, there's something there's something I really enjoy about the, implying the passage of time and things like the idea that you can take a piece of paper and and imply the depth of distance and imply time happening when yeah. in reality it's just um, you know just you. It's just you know squiggles on a piece of paper.
0: I love that kind of stuff. It's um, it's sort of you know just eliminating all the bullshit. You know, just like get to the heart of the matter. Like, okay, you know what's in the future sometime. So let's move on. You know, <laughs> right. It's like you know, it's like if you almost like if you if you actually detail it all out or call attention to it too much, that uh, people will uh, it'll be like distracting from what we right. are actually trying to Well, there's a lot of say, that in wrenches too.
2: Where I wonder if somebody hadn't read a lot of, it's like. It would help to know Madeline Langle books
0: and Narnia and all these things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. I mean, I felt like, yeah, that's like, uh, yeah, all that, what I was saying before, like all the information, all the stuff that I was informed by. I'm like, I know everyone else around my age or older than me or younger than me has to be familiar with this stuff. At some point you know <laughs> it's also weird because there's ideas because i
2: think that even our generation has things that we missed but we get that it's like i always think about how that the character being born being found with a medallion that leads mm-hmm. them back to their secret past yeah, yeah. is like it's a total cliche but i can only name like two things that i've ever seen it in
3: mm-hmm. like yeah. war hunter
2: from the future and the cowboy wally show makes a joke on it oh wow okay yeah, yeah. i
0: wouldn't even be able to name and there's a
2: medallion in wrenchie's but. yeah that is definitely yeah
0: but I but that's exactly right because like I put that in there with like knowledge I'm like I know I've read like books as a kid where it's like this like and it I mean even too like the design of it was just like I mean it's not like I really thought about like how am I going to make this thing look and it's like it doesn't matter even like I think I even addressed that in the story where it's just like the shadows man can't even like aren't even aware of this thing you know right. it's like it's not important it's like just this like sort of like vehicle like make this like thing happen I guess you know, like, the story happened.
1: Now, the story... story of childhood, um, and I'm wondering how... Because it seems very personal, the work and the story of the kids, and I'm wondering sure. how that uh, comes from your own experience.
0: Uh, you mean just, like, all the way the kids interact with each other? Or just Hollis specifically?
1: Hollis and Sherwood and... Um, like, there's... there's Something about it that um, sticks out to me—it's kind of this like uncomfortableness.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of—I feel like a lot of your work parallels you dealing with your childhood and being like, sure, yeah, and that's where a lot of sensitivity comes from too. Is that like, oh, I was in class and this guy was a jerk, mm-hmm. or I was a jerk and like, why oh, did yeah, I, I do that?
0: Or you know, <laughs> yeah, all that's—I like that that kind of thing, and then, yeah, that's just where. I feel like it's in my natural place, little well that I draw from is like that, you know, wherever those kids' age are, like somewhere around that time in my life, um, that's just like the most comfortable type of thing for me to write, just it's like, it's like, oh yeah, I like, I like hearing like my sister's kids like talk to each other, I think they're hilarious, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I had the, the, the young Wrenchies like interact with each other though specifically was from like a couple things. Um, the Dan and Larry book um, Dave Cooper's Dan and Larry yeah, right, right. which I think it's out of print now uh, but that's like one of my favorite comics and I just, I like you know there's a bunch of uh, one, there's a scene where a bunch of kids are hanging out um, anthropomorphic looking kids hanging out in a basement and the way they're just sort of making fun of each other and like. I just you know, read that, yeah oh yeah, okay it's like the way that dynamic sort of shifts, I'm like, oh wait, okay, someone's yeah. making fun of me, I gotta put this kid down. Yeah. And there's a thing in there, there's a panel where the characters are just
2: talking about something totally normal, and then there's like one of the, the teenage girl, they're like, she looks away for a second, and it's just out of context, as mm-hmm. the two guys like have these dotted lines, so uh. going to her chest. <laughs> like,
3: yeah. like the most teenage uh, yeah. boy thing.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, and uh, the other thing was uh, the movie Over the Edge. I might mention that to you before, I feel like I. Actually, not a lot. Um, I don't know that movie. Yeah, you do. We, um, last time I was here in town, in your apartment, uh, I was oh, telling we everyone about, about yeah. it. And then we went to the David Lynch... The Twin Peaks Bar. Yeah, the Twin Peaks Bar. And it just came on the television. That's right. That's like, random the guy just put How it Lynchian. in. Yeah, it yeah. was really weird. I was like, oh my God, this is the thing I was just talking about. And uh, yeah, it's a 1979 movie. It's Matt Dillon's first movie. And it's like based off this like, real thing that happened in this town where these kids kind of rioted. Because they like, you know, there's nothing for them to do in this like small, you know, community that would they didn't make anything for the kids to do, so uh, they just do like lots of drugs. They're not having like, dance. And, yeah, <laughs> it's not quite as bad as like Footloose. It's uh, there's some kind of like real element to it, like the way they, they talk yeah. to each other, like they're trying to be tough and like, yeah, I mean, they're all drinking and you know, get, getting messed up and stuff and uh, a little
1: more realistic than Lord of the Flies.
0: Uh, I don't know, Lord of the Flies actually seems, uh, like the writer, I don't remember his name, but that guy, like, he was trying to do something hard-edged and like, uh, that's, that's stupid, um, trying to do something more, like, serious or something, yeah. whereas, like, Over the Edge has a, uh, such, like, a comedic element to it, because I think, like, just kids aren't actually funny, you know, like, yeah. The weird swagger, or the like the you know, there's the weird like them trying to sound like adults or something, or the way they talk to each other, like right, look, like seeming like little adults. Like, Lord of the Flies was like great, but it, it, um, that just that was almost more of like a horror story to me, or something, yeah, right. you know. I like that, honestly. Like, yeah, I <laughs> like you burn that cop car. <laughs> I was thinking no. of, uh, I saw these two little girls,
2: and one of them was crying because the other one punched her, and uh, the mom was like, Say you're sorry, and the other girl's like, But I don't like to say I'm sorry. <laughs> It was just very like, <laughs> and she's like, like, "Well, that. your sister doesn't like it when you hit her," <laughs> and it was this great. I imagined
1: them as senators.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I don't want to be happy. I want to be sad. Do you ever see the uh, reality show Kid Nation? Oh no,
0: I I don't I haven't seen it. but I saw a commercial for it. It's like there's like a it's like a little town like a old West town or something. That's yeah. A, or camp or summer camp or something. Yeah, or something.
1: it was a it was a town, like uh, probably like a movie set or something. I think it was done in a specific state in the States because of the uh child labor laws. Okay. Cause they anywhere else they couldn't have been doing that mm-hmm. show. Uh-huh. And it's just like this. <laughs> it's it's oh it's, it's pretty it's pretty <laughs> fucked up. Like these kids get the run of the town and like I think one of them drinks bleach by accident. Oh jeez. And just like they're just fucked up. They're just horrible to each other. <laughs> Um, I gotta watch the show now. <laughs> yeah,
4: Amy,
3: have you ever see it?
1: No. It's
0: good. I'll check it out. I totally derailed. I'm sorry. That's no. no, okay. I was just trying to think uh, where that. Uh, yeah, no, I like that kind of stuff. You know, like kids. Uh, Kids being dicks to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I wonder. So you read Power Pack a lot as a kid too. Oh yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah, same thing.
2: Yeah, and that, that always—I always feel like I—that was like a gateway to into your work for me, because we both grew up reading that. Mm-hmm. And I wonder because I guess the kids in that do feel really authentic, but it also feels like there's a very '80s. Um, there's a very kind of '80s sincerity to Power Pack. There's all sorts of stuff.
0: Yeah, like we can't let our parents find out we're superheroes. <laughs> you know, like I like that aspect, but it's, yeah, it's, it seems like the fun, the really fun part of that comic was like when they would have Franklin over to spend the night and like, you know, uh, Walt, his, Walt and Wheezy as the parents like saying like, oh, I'll make my special dish, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff, like the, I guess the family vibe, you know, that like movie it Were
2: good. they based off of, were the Powerpacks' parents based off of Simonsons? Yeah, Simonsons? it's a Walt and Wheezy. That makes total yeah. sense.
0: I think um John Bogdanov who drew it for a while after mm-hmm. like June Brigman or whoever call him yeah, I think June Brigman. Okay. Um he uh he's like good pals with them. Okay. That makes okay. total sense. Because he came into the, c into the Simonson's class once at S V A. Oh nice just hung out. <laughs> yeah. You have
1: a lot of affection for Simonson's work. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this uh his Thor run was like a big deal to me as a kid. Like me and me and my buddy, my best buddy, um, would uh just like trace drawings out of Mjolnir's song that um, that issue he did where he fights the Midgard serpent and it's oh, all that splash pages. Whole, yeah, splash pages. Yeah, that was the first comic I'd ever seen that was like entirely splash pages. And I was just like, "Oh my god, I can't
2: believe they did this." Right. You know. did, was but John lettering him back then?
0: Mhm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think he lettered all those you know, most of them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not a fan, Robin? Right. Well, I'm fine. I'm fine.
3: What?
0: What? I heard you say that in some interview once about, like, the Profit guys are all dudes that like Walt Simons in comics or something like that. It's that, probably... Or maybe yeah. it wasn't Profit, but it was, like, you were referring to a bunch of guys, and you're like, yeah, that's the the bonding things that like, we all really like Walt Simons' work. Yeah, but I like
2: Simons. I, I, I felt like I... Um, I am weird with Simons because I like a lot of his stuff, but then other... I'm, I'm not, he's not a guy who everything I've ever read I like.
0: Yeah. Oh, certainly not. Like, like it, it's weird, because, like, his, uh, Robocop he, versus Terminator, right? Okay? <laughs> well, he made a, a, a cracker a crack movie one time. I was at some show, and it was like, a totally dead show, so he was kind of, like, hanging out with a bunch of, like, right. me and some other fanboys looking at his original pages, which are amazing, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, his originals are, like... You know, usually, like, obviously originals are better than printed comic page but like um he I've never seen like another comic artist where it's like such a big difference between the two
2: I've noticed that a lot I was, I was talking about that recently about how like that when when I was kind of learning to draw there's lots of people like oh you have to use a nib you have to use a brush because it looks so much better and on the originals it looks amazing but then the printed page if you use a ballpoint pen you can't really tell exactly yeah and especially in the 80s
0: yeah um yeah so he like his work in particular like I think there's a lot lost in the translation for whatever reason. Yeah. Like I see his pencils and they look amazing and his inks and they look amazing. But like the crack he made it in me, I think it was like when he, he Orion just got canceled uh-huh. and he was like, I can't, I can't do a monthly book and I can't, you know, sell a monthly book anymore. Apparently. And he's like, no one bought that book. Farrell didn't even buy that book. And I was like, ah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I
0: was like, ah, yeah, I guess I didn't. Yeah. But uh, I saw the originals for it. they looked amazing. Yeah. You know, and art is so good. Everything. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's weird. It's, like, uh, yeah. amazing artist, and, uh, but, uh, I mean, but there's a the thing, too, where it's, like, there's that,
2: there's that shadow of Kirby that I think throws me off of some artists sometimes. Yeah. It's, like, if somebody tries to, like, they just announced a new Cordo Maltese was being made, and it's an amazing artist, but, like, it's, like, it's harder, it's a lot more impressive to do yourself really well than to try to jump into someone else's shoes and do what they did better than them or as well as them.
0: Yeah and yeah and also too it's like what there's something too he's like why do you want to do that right like, like why would you even want to do that you know yeah. <laughs> like don't you have something like in you that's like oh I really have to tell this personal story but some people don't they're just like I like monster comics yeah. right I just want to draw monster comics and like, that's cool
1: we had a friend who uh, was talking about how he really wanted to do Scrooge McDuck comics I was like well why don't you do like what Jeff Smith did and just Exactly, yeah. You know,
2: exactly. I totally understand the appeal of why. I mean, because that's the whole appeal of profit, is that
0: it is profit. But you, but that's different though, because you made it your own thing. Like, I feel like that that's the cool thing about profit it's, is actually filling like a need. Right. It's our beta ray you know? Bill, though. It's like taking yeah. a thing and <laughs> off of it. Exactly,
2: yeah. Because, I mean, you don't want to, and that's the problem with, I think that's maybe that's the problem of taking a Kirby book, and, like Orion is. Nobody's going to be like, let's totally reinvent this Kirby stuff, but it's almost like you'd have to to make it mm-hmm. be able to compete with the original stuff. Exactly, yeah.
0: It had to have to be like its own thing rather than just like, yeah, something like a love letter to this thing that I like. like yeah. Yeah, like I feel like Bone was like, you know, Walt Kelly and Scrooge McDuck or Karl Barks, you yeah. know, but but I'm going to do something that's never too. been done before in yeah. comics. You know.
2: I read that like for the first time in one sitting.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. So you never read, like, issues
1: i would read a couple issues, but okay. I never,
0: like, just, like, read the giant phone book. Yeah, I... I, I oh, I'm sorry.
1: Well, I don't... I was... I, I didn't have anything special to say. I say I don't think it works to say as well in One Big City, because yeah. there's... It's done over such a lengthy period of time. Yeah, no, I got that. It definitely... Like, there are parts that are, like, definitely like done by and different order. artists, mm-hmm. in a way. Like, he was a different guy that did the cow race than did, like, issue 45. Like, that's not the same person, in a way. Yeah. Well, It's so yeah, that's weird,
2: because he, he like, feels like... It feels like he put up all his influences in Blender and didn't mix it up very well. Because there's to be sections of it where, like, oh, this is obviously Walt Kelly, or this is obviously uh, Scrooge McDuck stuff, or this is obviously Lord of the Rings, and it doesn't feel like it ever meshes quite well. And it's not a comment on the quality or anything, it just feels very, like... You can see where he's grabbing from. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, I feel, too, they're, like, um, in the beginning, because I, I would actually, I I was, I didn't grab issue one when it came out, but um, I think I jumped on, like, issue six or seven or something like yeah. that. And uh, I actually stopped at some point, like, I kind of stopped buying comics for several years. So, yeah, I just, I I read most of it or a big chunk of it, and then when it came out as the big book, then I went ahead and finished up the the last part of it, right. but I remember when the issues were coming out, like, uh, those early issues were hilarious, yeah. like, they were just really funny, like, right. funny comics, and, um, I noticed that that went away, like, there were still humor elements to it, but it wasn't, it didn't have the same kind of, like, impact on me or something, maybe it's because, part of because I'd never seen anything like that before,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but, um, I thought maybe, too, it was like, he just, he, at some point, he was like, I have to finish the story, I want to tell the story. Was it... You know, not doing as much like fun experimental kind of. I wonder you know, if that's part stuff. of
1: like, um, coming from doing these, newspaper comics we've before, and kind of using the humor as kind of a crutch. Um, oh, he, I thought he was an animator. He also did newspaper. comics. Okay, I think he was just really thinking it.
2: that too. Like maybe it was the thing of him being like, I have to impress people with this, and I know my humor is solid.
1: Yeah. Maybe it was just. And yeah, he, he got felt stronger in his storytelling chops to kind of focus on the story or just tell. cockier that he had a readership that would stick with him
0: which mm-hmm. yeah. that's, that's a bold statement right what <laughs> <laughs> well he, he he wasn't really interesting because I, I listened to an interview with him I don't know if you guys heard the same interview where you know he had like a business plan for the whole thing yeah exactly. and he went and got like a bank Function loan campaign. and like yeah. he had like a letter from Will Eisner and like they gave him like more money than he asked for because they were so like Right. like you know, in, in you know, I guess it was like the time. <laughs> the letter from the there that said, "I'm not racist." It was <laughs> <like three times. laughs> I got this. <laughs> it didn't like really have anything to do with, it, yeah. you know, Jeff Smith or anything. Uh-huh. Like I got this letter framed. Uh-huh. Ebony's a perfectly reasonable <laughs> name.
3: <laughs>
0: Here's one million dollars.
3: Uh-huh.
0: Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it just seems like a total different. He seems like a completely different kind of like, yeah, like, I don't know if I was going to say cartoonist, but just, like, a person than I am, (laughs) you know, it's very admirable, but, I mean, my life is so, like, chaotic compared to that, you know, it's, like, it's very impressive that you could have, you know, come up with that and stuck to it. Right. Admire the hell out of that.
2: I mean, that's a, that's a scary thing. Me and you talk about a lot of the, kind of, plotting life of the cartoonist and how, Mm -hmm. a big part of it is, like, knowing that you should forgive yourself and that everything's okay and you can just do this and also never forgiving yourself and being like oh i didn't draw today
0: yeah yeah constantly like that's yeah, a struggle like beating yourself up and then yeah being like it's okay it's okay no, nothing really matters none of this matters this is all meaningless <laughs> yeah
2: but it's just like you're you're trying to fill a lake with an eyedropper some days mm-hmm. oh yeah
0: totally For like the past couple of years
1: have been like that for me
0: i guess it's finishing this you know
1: did you kind of feel like you bit off more than you could chew with that book? Oh, yeah, a bunch of times, yeah.
0: I mean, after I finished it, I was like, I was like, oh, that's fine. You know, and I look at other, you know, we're here in Brandon's apartment with stacks of comic books and, like, seeing, like, the w- amount of work some of these guys have done, you know? It's like, it's like hey, eh, one book is, like, 300 pages, but, I mean, there's, like, some of those manga are, like, you know, but 10 times, times the length of that.
2: Too. Like, I, I was really in the middle of Wrenchies. I remember just being like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to be able to read this like 50 times and find new stuff all the time. Well,
1: it's also That's like cool. the fact that it's watercolor painted, which yeah. doing one page compared to... How, how long do you think compared, you know, watercoloring a page versus how many pages can Brandon do in Photoshop? Mm. Color
3: in that same time? Fast, yeah,
0: it's a, I would say, yeah, it just adds like a third of the time to it or something. Really? You know? Um, but yeah, it's like the same. Yeah, the same thing as like if I photos if I colored all those on the computer, it probably wouldn't have seemed as impressive to a lot of people. But it it would have been to me because like it still would have been probably the same amount of work yeah. like time wise to to computer color it. Um, I guess there's something with computers that's like a little more systemata- easy to systematize it. where like, oh, I have this palette that I use. Yeah, I mean you could do that with paints too, but I just I always like you know kind of bucket that kind of thing where I kind of want to. Like, what is it that this thing that you that you think takes the
2: most effort for you? Is it the drawing or the, the penciling? Ideas?
0: Yeah. Like laying out a page, like trying to think of how I want to make something work. And I'm also really lazy about using reference now, so I'll do a lot of erasing. I'm like, why does this arm not look right? It's like, I guess I could just take a picture of my arm, but <laughs> it's like I'd rather spend two hours erasing this and redrawing it. And it's interesting.
2: When I was over at Johnny Christmas's studio, um he's working on his um, sheltered comic Mm -hmm. And, uh, I saw him just, like, like, he's a guy that just, like, races through monthly comics. And I saw him just, like, pick up a camera, take a picture of his hand, like, holding a gun thing, and then just, like, look at it, sketch it, and I was, like, I don't, if I want to look in the mirror, I gotta go in the bathroom in my house. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, it's even worse, because I have everything set up around my desk. Yeah. I have, like, a mirror, I have, like, tons of reference books, I even have, like, a little iPod device thing I can go on the internet with now. Mm -hmm. Uh... But I'll still, like, ah, oh, that's just slightly out of arm's reach. Oh, I'll sit in this chair and
2: <laughs> just keep drawing. But it's you know? cool that you keep drawing it and don't just be like... Because I feel like it, it's also very easy to just be like, oh, I need to look up reference before I draw the door and also yeah. this book Ugh. he's holding
0: and then you get, like... That's the worst. That, that's, like, the, probably the biggest reason I don't yeah. look at reference is because it just feels like a t- another kind of time suck. Yeah. You know, where it's like... Oh, okay, I could do this and interrupt what I'm doing now. Like I right. finally sat down and started drawing. And it's like now I got to go get a reference for this. It's like no, I just want to draw. You know. What about the What about your writing process? Um, that's a little more hard to define because um, I uh, yeah I spend so much time writing and rewriting like while I'm working on it. Oh, right. um, I don't. I haven't written like a script out in a long time. Like I'm working on those Popkin War pages now for mm-hmm. your Island book, and um, I actually have kind of a, a kind of a script right. where it's like you know I I broke everything down into a page page per sentence kind Did of thing. Did you type them? Yep. You can check them.
3: Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, on on a, just on the computer. I mean, I use a typewriter. My
2: editorial style is I pick people whose work I'm excited by and have them do it. It's, <laughs> it's very. I think when me and Pharrell worked on profit together. Hello.
4: Hey, come
1: on up. Who is it?
2: Uh, Shannon. You can come up here and we can finish the interview. Shannon. He'll be quiet.
1: Oh, I know he'll be quiet.
2: We were talking about uh, the, the editorial process and profit.
1: Yes. I'm using a charger on my iPod. Oh yeah, you are. Thank you. Thank
0: you. I forgot that I was supposed to be doing a drawing here. Mm-hmm. It it's probably be good I'm not though talking while I'm drawing because I'd yeah. be like, uh, uh, what? Brandon said that introduced me to He's like, oh, I wasn't paying attention. I was working on this.
1: Shannon.
3: Go
2: sit, go sit down. Nice. Can I be... Okay, I'll be quiet.
0: Carry on. My word's on. Are you timing it?
1: Yeah. I don't on the time.
0: So you were saying you're, you're, you're <laughs> pick guys that you're excited by? Yeah, and I was talking, I was
2: thinking, we, we probably talked a fair amount about, about the whole profit process, but... Yeah, I'm
1: gonna post that interview before this. Oh yeah, gets
2: oh cool. posted. Um, But yeah, just the idea of I, I. remember me and you working together, and it was very, it was very casual. And, and like the my big editorial suggestion was you had a two panels, and I was like, why don't you just take the the panel border out here and make it one panel.
0: That was a few, uh, I think, several pages where you suggested that, and, and I think it was uh, partly too as like a time saving device, which was really good.
2: Oh, right, right. But yeah,
0: I, I liked that a lot. It was fun working on that, and doing it in that fashion was really cool. Um, actually, drawing the pages took me way too long, and <laughs> I think it was, like, super stressful because I was, uh, well, I mean, first of all, I was so uh, worried about it being, like, cool or something, like, really intimidated by that, and also because I was so behind the, under the gun on the wrenchies right. that it was, like, I was kind of using working on each other thing is like, a way to procrastinate, you know, <laughs> <or> <laughs> but I think that's good, it? In some ways, hopefully, it got your stuff looked at by different eyes. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm so glad I did it. It was, um, I might have mentioned this a million times already, but, uh, yeah, it's, like, in, it's kind of in a weird way, like, the most, like, mainstream thing that I've done as far as, like... Which is funny, you, after you doing Marvel books and... Well, yeah, well, because even that was, like, kind of, you know, sort of indie... In Marvel's indie thing, right. or something, but um, profit was like the first thing i had done where it was like I actually got like immediate feedback from a bunch of people where they would email me and be like, Oh, this is great, I really like this, you know, oh, cool. like peers and like just some fans and stuff, right? right? See it shows and they seemed really excited about the book. And like, oh, Whoa, I've like, never
2: experienced that before, what's going on? <laughs> and we were talking before about the idea because originally, uh, you and Joseph Bergen came up with a whole storyline that you're kicking around mm-hmm. and about. Finding a way to kind of get that finished still. That would be cool. I'd, I'm I'm into it. Or even just the just the fact that you did so
0: many layouts, just getting the layouts. I yeah. to see. It would be cool. Yeah, I have this like weird compulsive thing where I just any drawing that I've done, I want to show off to everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's good.
1: So it will all hurt the the study group thing. doing it, the webcom kind of um, at the same time as working on Sheet. What was the idea behind doing that?
0: Well I started doing that webcomic out of being, um, like I just started drawing it in my sketchbook and I wasn't I wasn't thinking about it being published. I mean, I, when I hear people say stuff like that, I think I'm just like, oh yeah, right. Like you were gonna publish that, you know. But um, I I wasn't necessarily just, th- I wasn't thinking about the format or anything. I was just making a comic to make a comic. And uh, it was out of, yeah, frustration at doing the wrenchies and not being able to put in everything that I wanted to put in there. So, um, I don't know when it was, I started doing it uh, a couple years ago, so I don't know. You did some
1: little minis, didn't you? I did, yeah, I did
0: two uh, short comics, like I did, I did a a one pager for Jason Levian's Diamond Comics magazine that he did for a a couple couple years, and then I did, uh, I just made a mini comic out of uh, two of the characters from that, and um, that little, that little mini comic is gonna, is like the last, it Will All Hurt story. <laughs> like, I was, I, after I did it, I was like, okay, this is going to be the end, you know, whatever. Um, Interesting. So, uh, but yeah, it was like a lot of the stuff in, in It Will All Hurt was me wanting to, like, oh, I want to do a, ch- I want to add a chase scene in the Wrenchies, but I, I can't. Like, I have to finish this book. <laughs> yeah. You know, or like, I want to, you know, do a, a scene like this or just have fun doing, like, a stream of consciousness thing and just, like, you know, having something set in this world that's just... Um, kind of more like poetry rather than just trying to tell like, you know, a straight-ahead story. Right. Well, So what's your process
2: for it all? Or like, is it like a sketchbook color?
0: It was. Uh, the first, most of the first issue was done in my sketchbook, maybe like half the first issue. Okay. Um, but I was done in my sketchbook. And then I started doing it on um, watercolor paper, because I, I realized like I should sell these originals at shows and stuff, you know, right. for cheap. Um, and, uh, it, it, so I, I was doing these two panels side by side, um, in my sketchbook and I, I was like, oh, this actually, maybe I should do this as a web comic, just put it up on the internet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause they, they kind of fit on a computer screen sort of nice. Yeah. And, um, that was a, a real like, uh, doable dose for me, like very, you know, easy, easy for me to handle. Cause like I, I didn't pen, I don't pencil any of it. I just do straight pen. Um, and the wrenchies I pencil and brush ink and color, but that I just do straight pen and then watercolor on top of that, and um, yeah, so uh, Zach Soto, I mean, just me living in Portland, like there's so many cartoonists there, and he um, was just talking to me, and he was like, hey, I'm starting up a a webcomic porthole, kind of like what things do, Jordan Crane's what things do, Mm -hmm. but kind of more like genre comics, you know, genre-based stuff, and I was like, oh, I have this thing that I've been doing in my sketchbook that I'd love to put on there, and he seemed into the idea, and then he. It was his idea to publish it on the newsprint, like his secret voice book, mm-hmm. where, um, with a Risa Graf cover and everything. And um, yeah, and he's been great uh, helping me get that out. And
1: Ryan Sands did the Rousseau on that, right? The first issue, yeah. Okay.
0: And then the second issue was done on Zach's machine. Oh. I think the plan was to, for Zach to do it all along, but his machine was broken for like years. <laughs> right. And I think you know Ryan just stepped up. and I, don't, I think he, Ryan got busy with his own doing other stuff, so he didn't want to do... Yeah, do another one anyway. So <laughs> I really
2: like how the page layouts come out, and, and it will offer like you have so much. Oh, you have so much like open space, and so much like like some of the panels feel like they're just like sketchbook things. Like it almost looks like like there's a there's a panel in the first book
0: where you're just you're just drawing a cat, and it just looks yeah. like that's definitely all yeah from my sketchbook. Yeah, it looks like you're just sitting in front of your cat drawing. Mm-hmm. Which, which cat is that? That was probably Pizzy, Rest in peace. Mm. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, Pizzy died a couple years ago and I started drawing meeps, so he's kinda of like my, my reference. I actually had some have some cat photo reference just when I got from the internet that I use sometimes. Like uh, I think at this point now I'm just kinda of make, make them up. Right. But uh my girlfriend like saw those pictures and she's like, What are you doing using other cats? <laughs> like you supposed to be a cat that you use. <laughs> you can use my cat. <laughs> But I have ai think that. I have drawn from life before too, like, right? And I think those are just life drawings that I did yeah. in my sketchbook. And I was like, I want to include that because this guy is a, a character in the story, a narrator. Well, it's weird.
2: I mean, obviously, it's a very different style of storytelling in this, but it doesn't—it doesn't feel like a dip in quality of storytelling, which is interesting to me that it's so. Like I remember years ago, I think it was Frank Santoro was was asking. He was like he had an idea. He wanted to do a. A thing based off that Mobius short story, the absolute um whatever it is, the thing where the guy's running along and falls. Citrone or something. Yeah, absolute citrone, Where he's just falling forever and Mobius kind of famously did that
0: just straight to ink. Mm-hmm. Right yeah, that knows. was that was a big inspiration to me. Yeah. That story in particular.
2: And he asked me, he's like, Do you want to do a book like that? And I was like, No, it'd be shitty and I wouldn't want to charge people for it. But this <laughs> is like good.
0: And don't <laughs> Well yeah, I mean that well that was my idea that I wasn't gonna charge people for it it's just like when zach said it it was like oh it's like a free webcomic thing you can do you know and i guess the advantage of that is that there's a bunch of other amazing cartoonists on there yeah that are doing cool webcomics that
3: i don't read enough
0: (laughs) yeah definitely for sure there's some like sam alden dudes like that on there
1: i mean and zach also is really behind what you're doing because he did publish definitely the two books and the yeah. other stuff is the Sam Alden book
0: and Zach's uh, secret voice he's yeah. been publishing the pages yeah on there yeah who else is on there I think Connor Williamson has a but I mean stuff he's actually
1: made hard copies
0: of oh right yeah yeah there's uh so yeah it was his book hunter and then the study group magazine yeah um, I feel like maybe there's like
1: another one or two possibly I don't know no I think that's it okay you can send me an email after if I forget something. <laughs> the, the website, though, is amazing, because there's tons of guys. There's even a guy at the at your signing on Sunday who's on there, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Ben Duncan. I don't know. He does... Re- I'll, I'll, I'll show you stuff later. Right? Oh, yeah. Really cool. stuff. I probably
0: recognize the He stuff. does, like,
1: these weird balloon things.
0: Okay. He's not ringing okay. any bells, but... That's Sorry, right. Ben.
1: Draw's good. Ben, you draw good. I want to see him. Yeah. <laughs> you your comics people bring your comics with you when you go to a comic events. when someone asks what you draw
0: <laughs> yeah definitely that is that is one of some of the best advice seriously because it's met, um, oh sorry go ahead
1: well I met like four people that night and, like oh you do comics like, do you have anything I can see no
2: you fucked up you fucked up <laughs> and there's Robin slaps him across him. well it's really funny to me I, I often have people be like like I got a nice email from someone that was just like oh you asked to see my sketchbook that was so nice of you and I was like is it weird that people that devote their lives to comics are like, oh, show me more comics. I like these.
0: Yeah. Like, I love looking at people's
2: sketchbook. Yeah. It's Although, like I'm always amazed when you meet, like, when you meet people who are just like, oh, I can't look at any more comics. Yeah. And they do comics for a living. It's just yeah, like, you should join the circus. Yeah, it's like, why are you here? <laughs> yeah. Why are
0: you, you know, what is your point? <laughs> to get rich. I, that's, a, yeah. That's clearly the place for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of thinking there. Yeah.
1: Um. So, you have pop pen, new pop pen stuff coming back to an old friend?
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're, um, we've been talking about that while I've been visiting. So, we're going to serialize it in an island, and um, 150 pages is the, the script that I have written out.
2: And you're about 50 in, right?
0: Yep. Uh, so, well, I'm 60 penciled. Right. Um, that was a weird thing, like working on the wrenchies for so long. I was trying to be like, accountable. And so I had to kept keep telling, like, uh, my agent and my editor and stuff. I was like, I have, you know, this many pages penciled, and then that means this many of them are inked. Or, right. you know, this many just pencils, and then, yeah, this many inked, and these are finished, and these are scanned. Will the pages ever get done that you
2: don't intend to show anyone? Like, is there anything that gets scrapped?
0: Uh, not a lot, no. And I think that's part of the, what you were mentioning there and that you all heard is, like, even those cat drawings I'm like I have to put these in right. <laughs> it's like yeah, I was kind of you know, not to try to pat it out but it's like I, I always I, I would like I like stuff like that you know like. right but that's yeah, the yeah. thing with delusional it's you getting your actual sketchbooks out too
1: yeah that's true, your
0: sketchbooks right? are also incredibly pretty
1: Almost. you know someone's going to request a cat book from you because Jeffrey Brown did the cat in a bag that's a good that's it did like two or three books yeah. the cat in a bag I think it's time for those uh, cat books I'm sure cat cleaned, books. cleaned up on those too man. oh yeah that's why well it's either the Star Wars books. It, it, right? would,
0: it would be a really good way for me not to ever want to draw a cat again. Oh, guys, we should do the cats of Star yeah. Wars. <laughs> <laughs> why are there no just regular cats in Star Wars? i never thought about that before. Or why there? does everything have to be like an alien animal? Why couldn't it just be like a little... Just a cat? Yeah, I like, just well, a well, cat hanging out in the Millennium
1: Falcon. They have what? They have humans, so why not cats? Exactly, yeah. Were yeah. there any rats on the Death Star? There's no pets in Star Wars. Yeah, but I'm talking about, what about rats? It's oh, like pests,
0: pets? I guess. Was,
2: wasn't yeah, they, they never
1: talk about pests.
0: There was that monster. In yeah, the there's a the the Garbage, garbage monster. Monster. Yeah. yeah, but I thought there rats in there. there. They're like, oh, we yeah, have all, this awkward all rats, Japanese so. porn monster. Let's <laughs> hide it in the trash <laughs> yeah. compactor. Is there something alive in here? No, is that the equivalent yeah. of, like, putting worms in your compost? Like, was that thing put there to help with garbage? Or I, was I, was it, I believe yeah. that, yeah. how else was Maybe that's just a Star Wars cat. Yeah, <laughs> no. It's probably yeah. some kind of elaborate recycling yeah. system. Yeah, must be. Or not even that elaborate. Must it's like be a nature. Onto the Death star fire What if it's burning. like if
1: you flush like a crocodile, a baby crocodile? <laughs> it might I'm be something sorry. that it like, was a
0: pet at one point. It might be something something weird, like a stormtrooper ate, and then it got flushed, and then it like, <laughs> just mutated. You know, like an yeah.
1: yeah. alligator. You know, pet Are, our stormtroopers
0: thing. all clones. Yeah, they're supposed to be uh, Jango Boba, Fett or yeah. Boba Fett or something like that. Well,
1: Boba Fett's a clone too, but yeah, he was... But it's all Jango Fett's clone. Jango Fett, yeah, but Boba Fett was actually Jango's son, clone, raised son. He was raised like he wasn't... bathroom
3: uh,
0: Yeah. None of this was my Star Wars anyway, yeah, so that's. I, I was just thinking, like, yeah. oh, and it and makes and it so mean, much crappier
3: yeah. to yeah. just imagine, like,
0: <laughs> this yeah. one actor under every mask. The guy from Once Were Warriors.
3: Yeah, no, like, it's, it's,
2: you're a little short to be a Stormtrooper. It's like, you're a little short to be a, a clone of the same human
0: DNA. That, that thing in particular, I found, like... I mean, obviously Jar Jar Binks is, like, the worst, but, like... Sorry making noises. All that stuff about, like, how everything had to tie into everything else. Yeah. Like, it's like, I liked C-3PO being around. Like, okay, fair enough. And it's like, did Anakin have to make them? Like, <laughs> do all the Stormtroopers have to be clones of Boba Fett? Just because Boba Fett's, like, one of the most popular characters. Well, I think like, that's a really
2: interesting idea in, in Star Wars, how... It's a really good example of how you make a really expansive, interesting universe and then, and then just... Make it smaller. It. Yeah,
1: like how do you grapple all over your own work. Yeah. Which is funny, because the comics were the opposite. Did they expand? Oh, yeah, especially the early stuff. Howard Chaikin and... Well, well no, I'm not talking about, about not, not the early comics. Well, the comics, the Marvel comics, but the... The, oh, the Dark later Dark Horse comics? Yeah, where they have like the, the Tales of the Old Republic and stuff. Oh, okay. Where it's just like all yeah, this out, out of my and out of my element. Sorry. I, I the, everything. i I think they
0: made the Stormtroopers clones because then you don't feel bad for them dying. It's so like, oh, it's just a clone. It's, yeah, a, that's it's a, a fun uh, kids movie. Yeah, it's a way to get away from a massive murder. <laughs> exactly.
2: That's a really weird... Um, that's a really weird commentary on war and death, too, if you're just like, you're just killing the same guy over and over, it's like it takes this reality <laughs> out of it. Yeah, Where it's yeah. like, it should be, you should, like, they should just cut away every once in a while when they kill a stormtrooper just being like, when is daddy coming home? Uh, <laughs> 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 it's like that,
0: you we're, we were just talking about Austin, the Austin Powers movie, but the uh, the henchmen's where they're like hanging out in Hooters or something.
2: You remember that? What was that scene? It was like
0: there's some deleted scenes or something where there oh, were like the, all the henchmen that died, oh. and so like one of them was like you know his wife in a kitchen and you know oh, yeah. and he's like he's not coming home. Doctor Evil henchman got killed today, and they they're they having like a bachelor party at like Hooters. I'm probably getting this totally wrong. Oh, it like, sounds awesome. I that. just remember like Rob Lowe being in one of them or something. <laughs>
1: like, you know, yeah, you know, pretty funny.
0: I feel like we kind left of him
1: derailed in. you a lot. Um, huh?
0: Don't find talking about Austin Powers. Yeah, <laughs> more like
1: Austin Powers. Am I right? I don't know if anyone else. We like are going find, to England, we'll find this entertaining well. or interesting at all. I
0: watched
2: all those recently. I was just like, I didn't enjoy them when they came out nearly as much as just going back and kind of out of the context of time and being like, it's it's basically like how um, it, there, there's certain R and B songs from the '90s that I can really enjoy now, and that's exactly what Austin Powers is to me now. It's like you take out it's the. Like context. Montel Jordan. Yeah. It's like Montel Jordan, exactly. It's like that's how we do it. Yeah.
0: It's almost, yeah, kind of partly the novelty of it, I guess. The novelty factor. And or
2: just, it's something like, like people, like The Simpsons is a very big thing for people, but I fucking hated The Simpsons when I was a kid, because Yeah, I was, that's crazy. Well, it was just me in, like, this, like, super aggressive, shitty middle school with a bunch of kids wearing don't-have-a-cow t-shirts. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> if
0: I had gotten introduced to The Simpsons, I think I would have, like, in that way, in that right. manner, I would have, but, um... Like I remember watching the Tracy Ullman show yeah. when that first came out. I and really I was like, What is the, the animation part? Like that's and I remember she even had Matt Green on the like an episode right. where she's saying, Hey, everyone cares about this instead of my show you know uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like joking about it, but it's like, Yeah, 'cause it's awesome. <laughs> you know? so I don't know, that was like a huge Simpsons were like a big deal to me, like the first few seasons anyway too. It was like We'd all actually gather around as a family and watch it and stuff. So my
1: dad would obsessively videotape them, expecting that it would be canceled at any moment.
0: And it's crazy; it's like still on. And <laughs> Which I haven't watched it in
2: years. He still tapes them. Wow. Nice. Douglas Copeland predicted in planet, uh, shampoo planet that there'll be a time when you could turn the TV on and there'll always be Simpsons available, and that's
0: pretty much happening. That's, <laughs> that, that's his
2: big like. <laughs> that's his big visionary, of, like.
3: Not Maybe he's not as parents. great a person, as
2: people think. <laughs> but Simpsons syndicated. That's,
1: that's as, long as long as it's not
0: like Family Guy or any of that other stuff. I mean, oh, I'm cool okay. with that.
1: Um, Farrell, thank you so much for sitting with us. Thank you, Robin. And, and talking about the wrenches. Of course. And it yeah. will all hurt. Love you. And Delusional. <laughs> and Meat House. And upcoming Pop more I'm, yeah, I'm excited. Not. Me too. Thank you so much, buddy. Me three. Thank you.